Listen, y'all, tonight's message, it's just one of those messages, man, I just firmly feel as though it's necessary. All of us, all of us, if you haven't yet, just keep on living. All of us are gonna experience pain, but how do you handle pain? And how do we make sure when pain pays us a visit, it never becomes a tenant, but just a visitor? Let's get to the message. Listen, come on, come on, come on, come on. This word right here, y'all, is necessary. It is needed. I need for you to send an invite, for you to tell your friend. It is going down. We are now live, continuing this Cuffin' Season series. And I am just so excited and I'm so honored to serve you. Thank you for all of your love, all of your subscriptions. And these Bible studies are like just blowing me away. Y'all highlighting your Bible notes and everything. I'm, I'm just like, do it, Lord. Do it. But this... This particular word on tonight, I'm talking about something that we're all going to deal with. It doesn't matter if you try to avoid it. It doesn't matter if you try to push it away. It's going to show up at your door. <laughs> it's going to show up at your door. I'm excited. And I have so much to share with you, so I'm trying to hurry up and get to the sermon content. So take your screenshot. Let us know where you're from. Everybody in the chat room, drop where you're from. And if this Cuffin' Season series is blessing your life, if you're a first-timer, let me know. This is my first time. If you've been here for all six weeks of this series, let me know. I've been present for every single one, Jay, and I'm ready. And I'm ready. As usual, sometimes I try to confine our foundational text to just one passage of Scripture. But uh, for tonight's preaching presentation, we have two passages of Scripture, which I believe are better going to corroborate my claim uh, for the time that we have together on tonight. So the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4 and the Gospel of John 21 are going to be our foundational text. We're going to start at Matthew chapter 4. Verse 18, it says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Because there's always something that you're going to leave behind when you have made up your mind to follow the king. John chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in, and in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Our clauses of concern and the two verses that are going to serve us for the time that we have together on tonight is verse 19. Then he said, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then the introduction to verse 3 in John chapter 21, I am going fishing. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this hour. We pray, oh God, that this could be like a bookmark message that we could save when we find ourselves going through a season, a circumstance, or a trial that we don't understand what is going on. Anoint me to be your PA system, your oracle, the soundtrack of heaven. All the study means nothing if you are magnified and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop in the comment section, amen. Amen. I have a question. How do you go from being called to be a fisher of men and then later going back to being just a regular fisherman? How do you go from being called by Jesus to then later being right back in the place where Jesus called you out of? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, something hits the heart of Peter. Something hit the heart of Peter between year one and year three. Something has hit and struck the heart of Peter from the call 
to the crucifixion. Something has touched the heart of Peter from chapter to chapter, from verse to verse. See, while I was growing up in school, I had to take math, science, history, and since I live in America, our native tongue is English. For you, depending on where you live in the world, your native tongue may be Portuguese or it might be Spanish. But for here in America, we were required to take mad science, history, and English. But there is a course that the educational system left out. There is this particular thing that we're all going to be touched by. It doesn't matter if you try to avoid it or run from it. And the educational system, the institution of education left this particular thing out. And I'm talking about pain. Pain. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, pain is somehow and some way going to arrive at the door of your life. It doesn't matter if you're old, it doesn't matter if you're young, it doesn't matter if you're saved, it doesn't matter if you unbelieve, it doesn't matter if you exercise your faith, it doesn't matter if you have no faith. Some way and somehow pain is going to arrive at your door. And I just feel like I'm a man obedient on tonight. I would like to speak around this thought from this subject for part six of our Cuffing Season series, How to Handle Pain. How to handle pain. Listen, y'all, this is a needed conversation. This is a needed conversation because for many of us, when we experience pain, that will be the thing that causes us to depart from the faith. Quit praying, quit, quit believing, quit practicing your biblical principles. Pain has caused some people to end their life. Pain has caused for some people to walk away. Listen, for a headache, I could take Advil, Tylenol, or I could take a nap. If, if, if I have a bruise, I could use some ice. If I have a scratch, I can get peroxide and a Band-Aid. Oh, if I have a cut, I can go get me some stitches. But what do I use to treat my heart? What do I use and what do I take when pain has caused for my heart to ache? And what do you do, ladies and gentlemen, when you're not doing anything but pain has choose you? What do you do when pain chooses you? And see, this is a necessary and a heavenly downloaded message. And it greatly complements this cuffing season series because a lot of us, you're dating out of your pain. Here we go. You're dating out of your pain. Your marriage is filled with pain. The person you're sleeping with is causing pain. The reason you're sleeping with multiple people is to try to cover up your pain. The reason you're smoking, getting high every day is to try to suppress the pain. The reason you're drinking and burying yourself in liquor is trying to get away from the pain. A lot of us are running, but here's the thing. Relocation doesn't serve pain in eviction notice. You could run from North Carolina and move to Texas. You could leave London and go to Jamaica and pain will still be staring you right in the face every morning. <laughs> Relocation does not evict pain. And this message is universal. I mean, it touches everybody. It touches you if you're a woman. It touches you if you're a man. It touches you if you're seasoned. It touches you if you're a new babe in Christ. It touches you if you're mature. It touches you if you're immature. Matter of fact, everybody listening to this message, you getting here was tied to pain. <laughs> like, like your mother experienced pain carrying you. Your mother experienced pain birthing you. And your mother also experienced pain healing from birthing you. Pain is tied to our arrival. The arrival of your existence and the arrival of my existence is tied to somebody else experiencing pain. And since we live here in a fallen world, and since we are flawed and imperfect people, it might not happen. It's going to happen. You, you are going to be touched by somebody else's imperfection. You're going to be touched by somebody else's flaw and somebody else's inadequacy. You are going to be touched by the condition of this fallen world. In layman's terms and simply put and reducing all of that down to the lowest common denominator, somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to hurt you. Some of us are hurt from somebody. 
Some of us are hurting ourselves. Something in this life is going to hurt you. And I feel as though God has anointed me to deliver this message to try to get us to understand pain is going to pay all of us a visit. But we have to be so secure and we have to be people where we know how to never allow pain to be a tenant. Let it just be a visitor. Never allow pain to be a tenant. We're not allowing it to move in. It's just going to be a visitor. Oh, it's going to show up. It's going to knock at your door. It's going to show up, but we have to be secure enough to where when pain shows up, I don't allow my heart to provide it room and board. I don't allow my heart to provide it room and board. And I need wisdom on how do I navigate life? How do I go through life? With allowing pain to visit me when I don't expect it, allowing pain to visit me through a loss, allowing pain to visit me through a grief, and I don't allow that pain to become a tenant. See, for, for, for a lot of us, your pain is bleeding out. I know you're trying to hide it and you're trying to cover it up, but ma'am, sir, your pain is showing. <laughs> your pain is showing. It bleeds out in your post. It bleeds out with the way you talk. It bleeds out in the way you father. It bleeds out in the way you mother. It bleeds out in the way you husband. It bleeds out in the way you wife. Your pain is constantly, daily, consistently bleeding out. And a lot of us don't even understand. Sometimes with pastors, their pain is bleeding out. See, see if you're an artist, your pain is bleeding out in your art. Your pain is bleeding out in your lyrics. If you're a pastor, your pain can bleed out in your sermon content. Can I get on my soapbox really quick? Y'all just excuse me, but please pray for your pastor. Listen, listen, pray for your pastor and pray for pastors. There's somebody watching this message. I want you to just think about how much and how difficult it is for you to get over that breakup. If we don't have the proper healing and we're not seeking out intentionality and we're not trying to heal, we're not getting the counseling, we're not getting the therapy, pain, emotional pain can cause somebody to be stuck for the rest of their life. You're trying to get over that breakup because it was so heart-wrenching. Could you imagine that happening to you 10 to 15 times out of a year? Oh, that's what happens to pastors. We were there for you. We served you. When your marriage was on the rocks, we counseled you. We helped marry you. When your mother got cancer, we were there for you. We gave the eulogy at the funeral. We dedicated your baby. We did life with you. We served you. We were right there at every call. And then just one day, boom, you're gone. No, no, like in 2020, you know how we modernize breakups now, right? We do it through a text. We don't have the decency to talk to people face to face. Oh, how we end things is we do it through a text. We do it through an email. Or we send a letter to the church. <laughs> Why y'all looking at me like that? We don't, we, don't have, we don't have the boldness to tell somebody face to face. And listen, y'all, I'm being open, honest, and transparent. I've experienced pain so bad. Well, I didn't even want to preach anymore. I don't even want to preach anymore. And I'm trying to get us to understand if we don't know how to handle pain and if we don't know how to handle abrupt endings. Did y'all hear what I just said? If we don't know how to handle pain and we don't know how to handle abrupt endings, our hearts can become so calloused where we take off the gloves, we spit out our mouthpiece, and we stop fighting for joy. We stop fighting for people to win. We stop fighting to win souls for people to come to Jesus. We stop fighting for purity. We stop fighting for godliness. We stop fighting for ourselves. I'm not preaching from a mountain I haven't climbed. I'm preaching and telling you from the other side of Jesus healing me, from the other side of Jesus restoring me, standing here right now preaching passionate before you with everything I got, with the full understanding that Jerry's going to get hurt again. I'm going to get hurt again, but I have learned how to allow pain to just be a visitor and never a tenant. I've, le I've learned how to do this, and I'm, I'm with you. How in the world? Do we go, go from being boys? I'm talking about doing life with one another. You in my house, I'm in your house seven, eight years. From in a week, you act like I don't exist. You don't know me. We don't talk. That type of pain could cause our hearts to get calloused. And I'm trying to have a conversation with somebody on the night. 
to tell you how do you get to a place to where pain shows up but pain doesn't have you how do you get to a place where you experience pain but pain is not your experience how do you get to a place just because pain has grabbed you doesn't mean I'm bound by you I know for a lot of us you're trying to hide it you're trying to conceal it but listen, concealed pain bruises hearts. Did y'all hear what I just said? Concealed pain bruises hearts, which is why I have vowed and I have declared for the rest of my life, as long as God allows me to live until I'm six feet in a box, I have declared and I have dedicated for the rest of my life to be a proclaimer of the power of the blood. For the rest of my life, I understand that my assignment is to tell people that the blood still works and the blood can still heal you and the blood can heal you from your trauma and the blood can heal you from your addiction and the blood can heal you from your pain and the blood can heal you from your depression and the blood can cause for your life to turn around. I'm trying to let somebody know that the blood still works. Listen, I'm trying to show you this. Look at this, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Y'all better come get me. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Okay, listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. I'm studying this. I'm like, okay, I never saw this before. He's wounded for our transgressions. He's bruised for our iniquities. A wound is a cut that you can see. A bruise is when blood vessels burst underneath the skin. So Jesus is saying, listen, my blood is not just going to heal you and cover the stuff that you could see. It's not just going to heal you and set you free from the stuff you can see. Oh, my blood is powerful enough to go underneath the surface. My blood is powerful enough to go underneath the depths. My blood is powerful enough to touch the things that you're ashamed to talk about because shame doesn't come from me. That comes from hell. I come to love you. I come to restore you. I come to build you. I come to construct you. You are mine and my blood still works. I know I'm new school, but I grew up old school. What can wash? away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus and whoever's watching this message I want you to know that the blood can touch you right where you are in that depressed state and that suicidal state and that anger state the blood still works I understand now why when Jesus was on the cross blood and water flowed because the blood was for your sin the blood was to heal you. Oh, but that water, that living water, that helps me live right. That helps me think right. That helps me talk right. That helps me to choose the right decisions. I don't want just the blood. I want them both. Can I get somebody to drop in the comment section? I want them both. I want the blood and the water. The blood still works. Concealed pain. Concealed pain bruises hearts. It bruises hearts, but your pain is showing. It's bleeding out on your post. It's bleeding out on how you date. It's bleeding out on your marriage. And in your marriage, it's bleeding out on your face. Y'all ever see people just walk around and they look angry? I mean nonstop, just walking around looking ticked, looking pissed. <laughs> it's because pain, the spouse of pain is anger. The spouse of pain is anger. And once pain and anger get married, they have a baby called bitterness. Once pain and anger get married, they have a baby called bitterness. And a lot of us are so bitter that it's bleeding out on your face. That's why you can't smile, why you don't have joy, because of this pain. And I'm trying to get somebody to understand this. Listen, the person who hurt you, the person who broke you is not going to come back and fix you. Listen, that part though, you need to write that down. The person who broke you is not going to come back and fix you. Okay? One of the most crippling things we could ever do, please hear me, one of the most crippling things that we could ever do is look for our peace in the same place we lost it. The people who broke you, they're not going to come back and fix you. It may not be your fault what happened, but it is your responsibility to heal.
Healing comes from Jesus and our intentionality. I said this on Thursday. We don't get even. We get healed. We get healed. Somebody right now, you're in the hallway of this pain. You're in the hallway of this hurt because you desire closure. But that closure, that desire for closure is holding you hostage. You are emotionally kidnapped. Emotionally kidnapped. Hijacked by the terrorism of an explanation that you'll never get. Hijacked from the terrorism of an explanation that you'll never receive. And what do you do when the people who hurt you are never going to come back and fix you? And have you been stuck in this hallway because you want them to come back and own what they did? If so, you have allowed pain to be your tenant and not just a visitor. I'm trying to help somebody on the night, man. How, do, how does Peter... How does Peter go from being called to be a fisher of men to going right back to being just a regular fisherman? Could y'all just imagine how mentally and physically exhausting it was to be a disciple during the last week of Jesus' life? Let's talk. Let's make the Bible come alive. This is where I'm skilled in. I was a student pastor. I knew how to make the Bible come alive. Let's just talk. Could you just imagine how it was to be Peter? The last week of Jesus' life. Okay, so we having the Lord's Supper, and Jesus says, somebody's going to deny me. You kind of confused because you're like, who is he talking about? And you're like, man, I'm going to ride for Jesus. I'm going to die for Jesus. I'm going to do whatever for Jesus. Judas gives up, and he walks out the door. You're thinking that Judas is just going to go give some money to the poor. It's what he does normally. So you're not thinking nothing of it. And then Jesus stands up, takes off his garment, then puts a towel around him, ties it, and starts washing every disciple's feet and taking the dirt of them on the towel. Let me say that again. Jesus stands up, takes off his garment, puts a towel around him, and then starts to wash the disciples' feet and take the dirt off the disciples on the towel. One more time. Jesus stands up, takes off his outer garment, wraps a towel around him, then starts to wash the disciples' feet, and their dirt gets on the towel. This is symbolic. This is symbolic of Jesus standing up, taking off his heavenly self, coming in earth, wrapping himself in flesh, taking on our sin, our shame, and taking our dirt by washing us with his blood. Y'all just missed that. <laughs> Y'all just missed that. It's him standing up, taking off his heavenly self, wrapping himself in flesh, and taking on the dirt of humanity. Oh, not just dirt, the dirt from our feet, but the dirt from our mind, the dirt from our conversations, the dirt from our choices, the dirt from porn. Y'all don't want to talk to me. He takes our dirt. Anyway, so he's washing all the disciples' feet, and then he comes up to you, and you're like, Lord, you're not about to wash my feet. And then he says, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you have no part to me, no part with me. And he's like, okay, Lord, then wash my whole body. And Jesus probably laughing like, listen, bro, everybody who took a bath, they clean. I just need to wash your feet. And so then after that, y'all walking over. You had some good unleavened bread, some good grub. Y'all walking. Y'all go to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' favorite praying ground. And he says, hey, y'all pray with me for an hour. So you're kind of tired because, you know, when you eat some good food, you get sleepy. And you fall asleep, and then Jesus comes over there like, hey, bro. Y'all couldn't pray with me for one hour? Pray so that you don't enter into temptation. And then Peter's probably looking at James like, bro, why you ain't wake me up? You know, you know I'm Jesus' favorite. Why you why ain't wake me up? What are you talking about pray so that you won't fall into temptation? What are, what are you talking about? And then you end up falling back asleep. And Jesus comes and he says, wake up. My betrayer's at hand. And you look and you see Judas with this group of people. They're carrying clubs and they're carrying bats. And you're like, no, Judas didn't. Oh, Judas is the one who's betraying Jesus. Okay, so this is how we're going to roll. This is what we're going to do. All right, I got your back, Jesus. I got your back, Jesus. Then you take out your sword and you chop off the high priest servants here. And Jesus is like, hold up. Put your sword away, Peter. Don't you know I can call on God and he can send more than 12 legions of angels at my disposal? The cup that my father has given me, shall I not surely drink it? This must happen so that the scriptures will be fulfilled. And then Jesus grabs this man's bloody ear and does his last earthly miracle before the crucifixion. He puts the ear right back on this man's head so that if they tried to convict Peter of assaulting an officer, they couldn't because he specializes in erasing evidence. 
Woo! Let's stop right there and give God a praise break. Is there anybody thankful that your God and my God specializes in erasing the evidence? That should cause somebody to clap a hallelujah in the comment section after giving your testimony. Somebody like, bro, I don't even know you. You don't even look like the dude who used to be in the street. And you'll be like, little boy, if you only knew. But I'm glad that you can't tell because it just confirms in my heart that he specializes in erasing the evidence. After you give your selective testimony, because a lot of us don't tell the whole thing. <laughs> after you give your selective testimony somebody will be like girl I didn't know you used to be a stripper and you'll be like baby I'm glad that you can't tell because that just confirms in my heart that he specializes in erasing the evidence they'll say brother so and so you don't even look like the dude who used to swing bricks you used to do drugs and sell drugs you don't even look like that type of man listen bro if you only knew but I'm glad that you can't tell because it just confirms in my heart that I serve a God that specializes in erasing the evidence and right Right now, I don't care if you're in the car. I don't care if it's in the middle of the night. I don't care if you're watching this with your friends. Could you give God a praise that he specializes in erasing the evidence? You can't tell I did it. I don't look like what I've been through because he specializes in erasing the evidence. Back to the story. So then they arrest Jesus. They take Jesus and they're starting to beat up Jesus. And you following him and you warming your hands. And they're like, yo, hey, weren't you with Jesus? No, nah, man, I don't. I don't even know who this dude. Okay, okay, okay. You see them beating the brakes off Jesus, and now you're starting to get concerned. Like, man, they really, really going in on Jesus. They jumping him and everything, hitting him and asking him who hit you. And then they say, hey, hey, I, I think this dude was with Jesus too. His accent's giving it away. He's like, man, I don't know who y'all talking about, bro. I don't know who y'all talking about. I don't know Jesus. Hey, you were with him. I saw you. Man, I don't bleep, bleep, bleep. No, this dude, you bleep, bleep, because I'm, I'm bleep, bleep. And he just started cursing. That's what the Bible says. You got to. Modernize the text. He said, like, I don't know, bleep, bleep, y'all talking about, y'all stop bleep, bleep, bleeping with me, because I don't bleep know who this dude is. I told you I ain't bleep, bleep with him. You hear this rooster? Like, oh, man. He said, I was going to deny him three times. Man, I'm at the table talking about, I'll die for you, I'll ride for you. And here I am cussing and act like I don't know him. And this pain hits the heart of Peter. And he feels ashamed. And then he hears the next day, the next morning, they crucify the king. He's dead. Then three days later, you hear that he rose from the dead. So you are excited. You are excited. Oh, he rose from the dead. Wait, 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 wait. I denied him. He ain't going to want me. I mean, it's great that he's alive, but. I denied him and I was cussing. And if you read the Bible, the Bible says that when he denied him, Jesus looked at him in the eye. So I'm just imagining Jesus is getting beat, getting beat. And then he hears the rooster and Jesus looks over at Peter. And Peter's looking directly in the eye of Jesus. Jesus don't want to have nothing to do with me. I denied him. I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back to do the very thing I was doing. Before Jesus found me, because of what I've done, I couldn't, he couldn't love me because of what I've done. After all the abortions I had, he can't love me anymore. I've been divorced after all the drugs I've done. I've stole, I've robbed people. He can't love me anymore. I'm going fishing. Because there is no way that he still could want me after everything I've done. done. After everything I've done, there's no way that Jesus could want me and here's the crazy thing the crazy thing about this painful process is it was all for Peter being processed that the crazy thing about this whole weekend that was wild the crazy thing about this painful process is it was all for Peter to be processed what do you do when pain is a part of your process yeah, that, that part. Why y'all looking at me like that? Well, you don't believe that God allows pain? Sometimes he prescribes it. Look at this. Look at this. First Peter. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. For this you were called. This is First Peter chapter 2 verse 21. For this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his footsteps. Hmm. First Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, 
Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh. Look at this, y'all. Arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased with sin. To be a Christian, we're going to do things like fasting. and It's almost like we deliberately make ourselves experience pain. What do you do when pain is a part of the process? And what do you do when God prescribes pain for your becoming? This is so good, y'all. This is so good. Because we think, we think because I'm saved, I'm not going to experience pain. You don't think that God allows pain? Ask Abraham. When he waited 25 years for something, and then God tested him and said, go kill it. You don't think pain hit his heart when he first heard the instructions? Or if that's not good enough for you, why don't you ask Joseph? When God gave him a dream, and then his brothers threw him in a pit, took him out of the pit, sold him into slavery, and then he gets lied on by Potiphar's wife because he wouldn't give her none. And then he gets thrown into prison, and he meets a butler and a baker. They tell him his dream, their dream. He interprets the dream, and they say, hey, man, when y'all get out of here, don't forget about me. And they leave out, and for a while, they forget about him. You don't think Joseph was in that prison cell wondering, why am I going through this? And it was all a part of the process. There's somebody watching this message right now. Your pain led you to this message. Right now we're live, but you couldn't sleep tonight. You couldn't work anymore. And you Googled how to handle pain, how to heal from a breakup, and boom, I popped up. <laughs> your, your pursuit to try to figure out what to do with this pain led you to encounter an individual who's going to introduce you to the one who could take it. And, and, and you are trying to get healed from it, but I'm trying to tell you there's pain, there's, there's purpose in your pain. That there's purpose in your pain. Huh. I feel like y'all looking at me like that, like, oh, I don't want to go through it. But yeah, what do you do when God gives you pain in the form of a Judas? And a part of your process is for you to be betrayed. Matter of fact, you wouldn't even be able to level up if you didn't experience the pain of that betrayal. Your destiny is tied for you to get betrayed. Your destiny is tied to pain. What do you do when God gives you a Judas? God gives you a Judas and you're hurting, but there's a blessing somewhere in this problem. My mother taught me that. There's a blessing somewhere in this problem. But here's the difficult thing, y'all. The blessing is always at the exit. This is so good, y'all. The blessing is always at the exit, never at the entry. And I wonder who is watching this message that finds themselves in the middle, in the middle between a problem and a blessing. Pain has caused you to get here and you just want to get out. You just want to get out, but your Judas is a part of your process. Let's look at this. If Judas never was chosen by Jesus, Judas could have never betrayed Jesus. And if Judas never betrayed Jesus, Jesus never would have got to the cross. And if Jesus never would have got to the cross and never would have died for our sins, there would never be a such thing as salvation. And if there was never a such thing as salvation, there would never be a such thing as the gospel. And if there was never a such thing as the gospel, there would never be a such thing as the good news. And if there was never a such thing as the good news, this whole message is vanity. All of that reversed because a part of the redemptive story was married to pain was married to Jesus getting crushed, being betrayed, and being denied. And ever so often, God will allow us to stand in the hallway of heart rehabilitation. This pain is going to lead you to your destiny. There's purpose in the pain. I know you don't like it, and many times you want to make the exit, you want to walk back out. But the entry is not going to give you the blessing. The blessing is always on the other side of the exit. It's when you come out of the storm. See, a lot of us are praying the wrong prayer. You're praying, God, get me out of this. Your prayer should be, God, what am I supposed to get out of this? So that when I get out of this, I learn from it. If I don't learn from it, my God, I may go back in it. And I don't want to go back to a hallway, so I have to stand right here, right now. Because whatever God wants to do in my life, whatever he wants to do in my heart, I'm going to stand 
in the hallway of heart rehabilitation. I'm going to stand right here. I, I never saw a godly woman. I never saw a godly woman. I, I, my mother didn't model godliness and purity before me. Matter of fact, my mother gave me birth control pills. My dad gave me condoms and just told me, boy, don't you, boy, don't you come back and get no girl pregnant. Girl, don't you come back pregnant. Yeah, my parents, they, they, they talked to me about sexually transmitted diseases, but they didn't talk to me about spiritually transmitted devils. And since my daddy never daddied me, I kept looking for daddy in every he. He was too, which is why he really likes when girls call him daddy, because he's still looking for daddy. You know why I dress half naked? It's because it's a representation of your fatherhood. You left me half covered. You didn't cover me with your protection. You didn't cover me in prayer. You didn't cover me in grace. And that pain hurt me. So right now, I'm standing right here in the hallway of heart rehabilitation. Because there's a blessing somewhere in this problem. But the problem is the entry. And the blessing is the exit. Rehabilitate my heart. I never saw what godliness looks like in a man. My father didn't lead me. I don't know what biblical manhood looks like. There are all these ladies coming to me talking about they want to get married. I wonder, do they know? I don't even know who I am. And the most dangerous thing that you could do is be led by an unled man because there's no telling where he could take you. I don't even know who I am, which is why I say I don't know so much. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not just answering your question. This is a reality of my life. I don't know who I am. I don't know whose I am. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. And culture taught me I'm a man, but how well I throw these and how much money I stack and how many women I sleep with. But that's not fulfilling me, nor is that kingdom. And so there's this pain in my heart. And so I find myself in the hallway of heart rehabilitation. Because there's a blessing somewhere in this problem. But the problem is the entry and the blessing comes in the exit. God, rehabilitate my heart. I have rejection issues. So when you, when you didn't invite me to the pumpkin patch, when you didn't invite me to the fall festival, when I didn't get the email about Thanksgiving dinner like everybody else did, I feel some type of way because that invitation gave me significance. And some way and somehow I let your acceptance be more important than heaven's endorsement. And the dangerous thing is when you allow people to give you value, you give them the power to set your price. So you could be worth more than the whole department store, but you'll settle with being on the clearance rack because you value their acceptance so much. So here I am right here in the hallway of heart rehabilitation because I believe there's a blessing somewhere in this problem because this door is the problem. But the blessing is on the exit. God, rehabilitate my heart so that I don't leave and I don't die in the hallway. I have trust issues, y'all. I have trust issues. You know why? Because I failed for someone who had no intentions of catching me. I failed for somebody who had no intentions of catching me. I thought you would marry me. I thought you would parent me. I thought you would love me. I thought you would be there for me. And they left me. So... You know where I find myself? Right here in the hallway of heart rehabilitation. Because I just believe that the pain is tied to the process. And there's a blessing somewhere in this problem. But the blessing is never at the entrance. It's always at the exit. When I get hurt, I bury my pain. Buried in Hennessy. Buried in sex. Buried in self-sabotaging behavior. And like I stated last week, the problem with that is feelings buried alive don't die. So God put me in the hallway of heart rehabilitation because there's a blessing somewhere in this problem. But the blessing is never at the entrance. It's always at the exit. I was betrayed by brothers. I'm talking about me now. No more third person preaching. <laughs> talking about me betrayed by my brothers I said you know what I'm done with people what team what people I don't need nobody but me and my wife my family that's it all I need in this life is sin <laughs> start going Tupac <laughs> and uh I, I'm, I'm sitting here with this pain and I don't know have y'all ever experienced pain so bad that you don't want to get out the bed I'm talking about pain so bad that when you wake up in the morning, you're like, dang, I'm still here. Pain. 
pain. And so I'm a student pastor at the time, and I'm like, okay, God, listen, I need you to heal me. I need you to heal me from this pain. And Jerry was in the hallway of heart rehabilitation. And I'm thinking that God's going to say some profound word. I'm thinking that he's going to give me instructions on how to get out of this hallway. But God told me something I didn't want to hear. He said, pray for them. Uh, I ain't hear God at all. <laughs> I didn't hear God. I ain't about to pray for nobody. After what they did to me, I didn't sacrifice and serve and I've been there. Pray for them. And, and, and here's the thing, y'all. I, I can show you this. Look, right here in the text, when, when, when Jesus recognizes that we go through pain, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, it says, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So let's go back to this hallway. And if I just be honest, y'all, I never want to be a man who is great at delivering the word, but I'm poor at the word delivering me. Find myself in this hallway, and I begin to pray for him. If you don't know how that sounds, it sounds like this. Take notes. I'm just being transparent. I didn't mean none of this. Uh, God, I pray that you bless them. I pray that they will have a collision course with your love. And that you will shower your love and your abundance and your blessing on their hearts so much so, God, where they give you the utmost glory in your life, in their life. I pray, God, that they'll experience joy. I pray that they'll have peace, God. I pray that they will know you as a Lord and Savior. And it's so hard for me to say this because in my heart, I don't mean it. But I'm saying it. And it's not about me forgiving them. It's about me releasing them. And it's about God changing my heart, which causes for me to forgive them. So I'm praying, God, touch their heart. God, I pray that you bless them. Every day, y'all, every day, every day, God bless them. I'm talking about people who hurt you. Every day, God bless them. God, let them have a collision course encounter with you. I pray that their life is filled with so much joy. Their life is filled with so much favor. Their life is filled with so much abundance. Every day, I'm praying this. I don't mean it in day one. I don't mean it in the first month. I don't mean it in the second month. But around 90 days, something started happening in my heart. And I actually started to mean it. And I said, God, pour out your favor on them. Pour out your provision on them. Pour out your love on them. Oh, God, I pray that you give them character. I pray that you give them strength, oh, God, so they can know who they are in you. And I started to mean it, and I got free from the bondage, and I got free from the pain. And I recognized that pain was a part of my process. God had to do something to my heart. Listen, y'all, every time a Judas shows up, it's because something in you has to get on the cross. That there's something in you, you don't see it right now. But God's like, okay, that petty, that has to get to the cross. So here's a Judas. Because the purpose of Judas is to get something to die. The purpose of pain is to get something to die. Think about it. When you work out and you go and you feel pain, weaker muscles are dying. Weaker, weaker muscles are breaking down so that stronger muscles can develop. I recognize now that there is purpose in your pain. There's purpose in your pain. But will you stay in the hallway, stay in the hallway of heart rehabilitation. Stop saying, God, get me out of this. But God, what am I supposed to get out of this? Point number one, how do you handle pain? You got to talk. You have to talk. I said this all throughout the Try Me series. The mouth is the ventilation system of the heart. Cancer cells can literally form in your body in your body due to the lack of vocalization, due to the lack of you talking. Some of us are dying because you're not talking. You're posting, you're drinking, you're sexing, but you're not talking. And until you talk, there's a level of pain you'll never be able to be free from. First thing we got to do, we got to talk. And then you have to be careful with where you bleed. Y'all, please hear me on the night. Everybody can't handle your mess. Everybody can't handle your mess. And if you bleed in the wrong places, sharks and wolves are attracted to blood. And if you're in the jungle of relationship search, searching, if you're in the waters and you're still bleeding, you're going to attract sharks and you're going to attract wolves. And you're going to wonder, why did this happen? It's because you tried to move out of the hallway without first letting God show you the purpose of your pain. First thing you have to do is talk. 
Second thing you have to do is acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. I want to show you this. Luke chapter 6, verse 6. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they may find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life, to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. Now hold on, listen. This is so powerful because he's in the sanctuary and these people are looking to see if Jesus is going to heal somebody from something painful. And their heart is so calloused that they don't want him to heal anybody. Believe it or not, there's still churches like that. That's why they preach messages of bondage and they don't want you to study your Bible because if you study your Bible, you'll recognize what they're preaching is not biblical. And so I can keep you a prisoner as long as I tell you to trust me. He tells him to stretch out his hand. But here's the crazy thing. He never tells him which one. <laughs> he never tells him which one. You know, a lot of us, I think when it comes to our pain, we're wearing a glove to cover up our withered hand. The issue that I really have, I'm covering it up so that nobody could see it. And I wonder how many of us have gotten used to covering up your withered state. How many of us have gotten used to smiling through withered pain? How many of us are keep taking pictures on Instagram, keep taking pictures on IG to act like you're happy, but you know down on the inside that you have something that's withered. But before men, you're wearing a glove. God cannot heal what you won't give him. And I'm trying to convince somebody tonight, I know it's painful. But until I do this, take off the glove, I can't heal your withered state. He asked him to stretch out his hand, but he never told him which one. And I have a sneaky suspicion that a lot of us would have stuck out the whole one. We would have stuck out the one that seems to be okay. And I'm trying to get you to understand, until you stick out your withered hand, God, that hurt. What's the purpose of this? He can never restore it back to its original state. This is so good, y'all. Stretch out your hand, and he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Because some people like to bound you and to pain you better. And I think the reason some people like to pain you better is because at least we have something in common. And if you're going to be free from pain, then I have to try to figure out a way to get you pain, give you pain. This is why some people keep bringing up your past, because you're a new you, but they're still the old them. Point number three, relapse prevention. You know how we relapse? How do we have a prevention from relapse? Constantly pray for people. When they hurt you, pray for them. It's not about, I said this last week, forgiveness frees the prisoner. And once you forgive, you'll discover that the prisoner was you. Relapse prevention is tied to you. I got to keep praying for people. Somebody hurt you, pray for blessings. Somebody did something disrespectful, pray for them. That's how you prevent your heart from going back into the hallway. Because I can't speak for anybody else. After I exit this, I don't ever want to come back here. Especially not out of my choice unless it's a part process point number four temple care temple care the way a lot of us handle pain is we overeat we try to eat our pain away you could handle pain by going to run a mile why are you looking at me like that yeah let, let's be practical too go to the weight room I feel like <laughs> some weights are released when some weights are lift I need to say that again some weights are released when some weights are lift temple care my body's the temple of the most high God and maybe I have all of this pain on the inside of me because I'm housing it versus practically working it out 
I'm not just going to give you biblical accuracy. I'm going to also give you practical solutions. Last one, what helps us to heal from pain is the love of Jesus. John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time. See, y'all missed this. Y'all missed this. Y'all seeing these threes? Jesus died, was in the grave for three days. There were three people on the cross. The rooster crowed three times. Peter denied him three times. Jesus restored him three times. You denied me three times. I'm going to restore you three times. Look at what Jesus is doing. He says, you love me? Feed my sheep. So he's saying, Peter, I'm not even going to bring up what happened. I love you, and I'm giving you assignment. And how we get healed and how we get over pain is when we run into the love of Jesus. We love him because then Jesus gives us an assignment. Feed my lambs. And I don't know who I'm talking to on tonight, but I want you to know how you handle your pain. You got to talk it out. You got to talk it out. I have to pray for people. I have to acknowledge that it hurt. I can't heal what you don't acknowledge. Then I have to constantly pray for those so I can have relapse prevention. So maybe sometimes got to invest in temple care and recognize that Jesus loves you and he's not holding what you did against you. And I'm going to give you assignment. Seek and save the lost. So God, we pray. We pray that in the midst of us standing in the hallway, you help us to remember that this, this is the hallway of heart rehabilitation. And whatever it is that you need to change, that you need to purge, do it right here because there's purpose to our pain. There's a blessing somewhere in this problem. The problem is always at the entry, but the blessing is always at the exit. And God, please, never let us die in the hallway because we never saw the purpose of the pain. Anytime you send a Judas, it's because something in us has to get to the cross. Help us to discover what it is so that pain will never be a tenant, but will always just be a visitor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.